Hello, it's Luke Farrell, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversations. They come from all corners of the world, and they descend on towns everywhere. Burlington, North Carolina, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Lexington, Kentucky, Wilmington, Delaware, Springdale, Arkansas, Papillion, Nebraska, and Kansas City, Missouri. What do all these men have in common? They work together to win. It's time to talk to another Royal on Clubhouse Conversation. And a big what's up to Royals Nation. It's Davo. Glad you're along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players and get the stories you can't hear anywhere else. And today it's Luke Farrell who joins us on Clubhouse Conversation. Luke Farrell, who was taken by the Royals in 2013 out of Northwestern in the sixth round and has really taken off here during the 2015 season. Began with Wilmington and then was moved up to Northwest Arkansas where he currently has a 3.40 ERA with nearly a K per inning for the Naturals. Luke Farrell, six foot six, and comes from quite the baseball family. His dad, John, is the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Of course, pitched eight years at the Major League level. Luke has a couple of brothers in pro baseball as we speak, one with the Cubs organization in the front office and another who currently plays with the White Sox in their minor league system. And Luke's grandpa, also was in professional baseball for a few years. So quite the baseball family and quite the career he's carved out for himself already. So those two factors on their own make this a must-listen-to interview. But then uh, there's the fact that Luke is also, in my opinion, quite the inspirational story. Uh, He's gone through multiple surgeries for tumors in his neck. As an 18-year-old kid, he first found it, about to head off to Northwestern to begin his college career. Nobody should ever have to go through that, and he's gone through it several times. It came back as a junior at Northwestern as well. He's had the surgeries to take care of that. Uh, Quite the courageous story, and his family now, and his mom in particular, give back to childhood cancer with a number of organizations. We'll talk about that throughout this interview and so much more. No doubt going to be a very inspirational interview both on and off the field with Luke Farrell, who joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation from Springdale, Arkansas. First of all, Luke, thanks so much for your time. And second of all, how's everything going with you? Yeah, of course. You're welcome. Uh, everything's going good. Going good. You threw well last night, man. Six innings, one run on four hits in your last outing. You now got a 3-4-0 since coming up uh, you know, there to Springdale, nearly a K per inning, which is obviously encouraging as well. I mean, how much fun are you having this summer between Wilmington and Northwest Arkansas? Thank you. Yeah, it's been really fun to, to kind of come into my own and uh, – you know, I've been working on, you know, forming an identity as as far as who I am as a pitcher and trying to keep things as consistent as I can with each outing. And, um, you know, things have gone well to this point and look to continue the same in the future. Yeah. Have you seen a noticeable difference then as far as ability level goes? You know, hitters in the Texas League versus Carolina League, obviously you haven't been in either a real long time, but have you noticed, uh, you know, the hitters better, being better in the Texas League? You know, I, I think in the Texas League, you're facing a lot of older guys. You're facing a guy who might, you know, even be 30, 33, 34 years old. Um, so it's it's guys who have they've been around the block and they've seen a lot of different pitching and, and pitchers. So um, it's fun to to formulate a game plan with your catcher and your pitching coach and go out and execute it because I think to succeed at this level with such professional hitters, that's that's what you need to do. Yeah, and obviously you see, you know, the same team so often. It's just like you know the unbalanced schedule at MLB playing in the AL Central, or whatever. So that's got to be good too, right? Getting to see the same guys all the time. Yeah, right. I, I think that's a good teaching tool for this league is the fact that you have to face these guys over and over again. So it makes the scouting reports and uh, 
putting the work you put in ahead of time all that much important. Makes you better at adjusting too, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I wanted to talk lots more then about the last three seasons, obviously, with the Royals. But let's go all the way back then. So we'll start from old school days and we'll work our way back. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, childhood, let's go back to then. So your dad obviously pitched in the big leagues for eight years. And, and both of your brothers have been drafted and played professionally, including Jeremy, who's still in the White Sox organization. And then your grandpa, Tom, also played three seasons of minor league ball. So, I mean, out of all those people, and this is probably an impossible <laughs> question, but if you had to pick an influential person, the most influential with you as a baseball player developing is, is one of those people or is it impossible to say just one of them as far as that goes most influential um yeah i mean luckily i, I have all these uh these family members who have had a career and some success in baseball and um i'm really fortunate to you know pick their brains and kind of live vicariously through them and their experiences um but if i had to pick a most influential it probably has to be my dad just because of the sheer amount of time I spent at the ballpark with him, you know, um, whether that be when he was playing when I was real young or when he was at Oklahoma State, where I think just about every day I was hanging out in the college clubhouse, which is a pretty funny place for a 8- to 10-year-old kid to be hanging out to learn some new things. But, uh, uh, you know, the same thing goes for when he was in Cleveland or Boston. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot just sitting around and, uh, picking guys' brains and you know shagging BP with everybody, and then the same goes for when I tagged along with my brothers to go to their games or, or you know stuff like that. Did you get to know your grandpa pretty good then too? Uh, I did, but not so much as a baseball player. Um, so that wasn't a, a real, real strong resource in terms of baseball, but obviously other things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so your dad was in the big leagues then through 1996. Us over-the-hill 34-year-olds like me can remember your dad, you know, pitching with Detroit as late as 1996 for a couple games. And so yeah. you you were, what, 5 and 96? So I'm, I'm assuming you have no memories of, of him in person, or do you? Yeah, not much memory. Unfortunately, towards that, that back half of his career, he suffered a few arm injuries that kept him off the field more than on it. Um, so no, not too many memories of seeing him pitch. And and while we're on the topic of him, has he ever gotten to see you pitch in person professionally, you know, on an off day or the all-star break or anything? Professionally, no. No, Ugh. not yet. Um, n- not other than, you know, the video I'll send him here and there or um, if he's able to turn it, tune into an MILB TV or something like that. Um, but we did have a game, I think, on national TV on like and CBS Sports, I think it was, uh, a couple of weeks ago that I think he caught, so... You know, when there's the opportunity, he's trying. Well, hopefully, you know, a couple years here in Kansas City, you'll you'll face him, you know, across the diamond, across the dugout. That'd be pretty pretty cool story, yeah. right? That'd be cool. Sooner than later, right? Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's hope. So, <laughs> now, you went to high school at least towards the end in Cleveland. So, I mean, did you move around a lot? Where did you really grow up at mainly? Uh, mainly Ohio. Um, I went to high school in Ohio at a uh, school called St. Ignatius, which is where myself and my two brothers graduated from. Um, and then part of that, we spent, I think, about five years in Oklahoma when he was working at Oklahoma State. So were the Indians your team growing up then? They were. They were, of course. Um, yeah, obviously from, from him playing with them. And then uh, growing up in Cleveland, I think if you're a Cleveland kid, you're pretty much an Indian fan. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, so your senior your season of high school, going back to that then. So you're eight and two. You have sixty Ks and fifty five innings. So you'd choose Northwestern for college uh, before you'd begin the fight of your life. You know, literally. So I mean, but before we get to that though, you know, what made you choose Northwestern as a high school senior for college? Um, I, I played on a, a fall team where we got some exposure at different colleges and college campuses, um, and one of them I, I happened to play at Northwestern. I met their coaches, I, I saw the campus, and I really loved what I saw. Um, and shortly thereafter, they offered me a scholarship, and I took my visit and fell in love with it even more, and uh, haven't regretted that decision one day. That's cool. I'm, I'm a Big Ten guy. I went to Nebraska, so back then they were Big 12, but, you know, so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, uh, we got to play them a few times. That's a, a sweet complex they have over there in Nebraska. Yeah, Alex Gordon gave him a million bucks. That helps, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of MLB guys, Tony Watson and Jabba, and all those good guys from from recent years. So during your, uh, or actually, sorry, let's get to the well, yeah, after your senior year of high school, then. So you're about to the, the way I understand this is it's like August. You're about to go to Northwestern. Um, you go to the dentist. You had your tonsils taken out like six months earlier, and you think you have some some swelling or something. Um, so you get to the dentist, and they kind of send you somewhere else, and you end up finding out you have a tumor. Kind of kind of tell that story and how that whole thing happened. I mean, you, you told it pretty much word for word how yeah. it happened. Um, you know, I had no expectations of what they might find or anything. It was it was that routine checkup that your mom makes you go do before you go off to college. <laughs> and uh, I just said, hey, you know, it looks like there's maybe kind of a lump or some swelling on one side of the throat. You know, is that normal after having tonsils taken out and whatnot? So just go get it checked out, see if it's anything. And uh, it turned out to be... Uh, much more than I bargained for, probably. Um, they found a pretty large, large tumor there, um, kind of at the base of the skull. So, so you get that news then, and and I've read, uh, I think, a quote from your dad saying that you were, you know, very positive, you were strong, and that helped, you know, keep your parents sane, help them stay positive, and help them. I mean, your your strength kind of transferred over from them, is how I understand it. So, I mean, I I gotta know because I'm like I told you, 34. I can't imagine going through that. I mean, how how was an 18 year old Luke Farrell able to stay, you know, calm and cool and collected, you know, through all that? What, what, what was that like? Um, it, you might have exaggerated a little bit. I think there was some shock. Um, First finding that out, you're right, I was 18 years old and supposed to go start college and, you know, go have all the fun that's associated with college and things got haltered a, a little bit. Um, but there was definitely some panic when, you know, the doctor, I remember he turned the screen and uh, he didn't really say much, he just kind of showed it, said, you know, we have a pretty sizable tumor here and showed the screen and, you know, you can see it sitting right there. Um, so it's pretty alarming. Um, I'm not going to say I was calm and collected in that moment. There's a few moments after, but I think within probably two to three days, I just kind of made a decision that um, I wasn't going to be a victim to it, and that was kind of the approach I took to it. Yeah, well, and it took what? So so two surgeries then go by. So it was supposed to just be, what, one surgery, and then they weren't able to, to get to the tumor, so they have to do a second one, and you don't know exactly how they're going to go in. Is that pretty much how it went down, too? Yeah, and part of it was so weird. We didn't really know what it was, so we didn't know if it was cancer or if it wasn't um, where exactly it was located because it was so centrally located uh, within the neck and, and up high at the base of the skull, which is obviously where a lot of important things are. Right. Um, so there were so many unknowns when we went into it that the first surgery, shoot, I think it took about 10 hours or something like that. Um 
And I remember waking up and, you know, asked, okay, am I good? And got this terrible response that, no, they weren't able to get it. <laughs> so a few days later, went back in and did the same thing. Um, but it was kind of a split decision on whether they would have to take a far more aggressive approach, um, which luckily they didn't. They were able to go back to the same decision in the next uh, and do a good job. Yeah, well, they, yeah, definitely. Well, and is, is this one other question about the whole process? Is this like, you know, is this made Hollywood by this? I read this ESPN article. Did you really write in a piece of paper lying in the hands of God? Because I know that your mom then, you know, made some beautiful necklaces and, and gave them to the family. Is that is that really how it went down, just like that? Uh, yeah, that is. Um, for whatever reason, in intensive care, that's just, I don't know, what whatever came to me or, or what it was. But, um, yeah, that's just what I was feeling at the time. That's cool, and that's got so so much meaning in that too that they were able to, you know, make the necklaces. So now you and your yeah. entire family also try to give back and help others. Obviously, I, I read that your mom and what the the group Christopher's Haven have teamed up, uh, you know, to help fight childhood cancer in particular. I mean, what does that mean to you being able to give back and seeing your your mom and your family, you know, back you and do that kind of stuff? Oh, she's been so great, so great. Um, she does so much more than I do, and uh, something I, I want to do moving forward is to have more of an involvement in this community. Um, but Christopher's Haven is this incredible uh, group of people that in Boston, um, just like in other major cities, you know, it's pretty expensive to live there. So when people travel around the world, they get this great care that they have in Boston and at Mass General Hospital, which is uh, where I was taken care of. Um, it's tough for these people to pay for their housing or even find it. So what Christopher ha- Christopher's Haven does is they provide... Um, basically an apartment building for these for these children with their illnesses and their families to come stay while they're getting treatment in Boston. Um, and my mom has just jumped on board and uh, helped with them probably more than I can I can even express. Yeah, I'm that, I'm sure that means more than anything is giving back and, and helping others. So, I mean, so you lose, what, about 25 pounds then after the surgery. You, you know, you start healing. Uh, a long road back for you, obviously. Now, the first time throwing a baseball. Now, again, is, is this true? You went out, what, three weeks after the surgery? Your dad's out in uh, in L.A., I think, for the playoffs, and you go out there and throw a, a few pitches. That's the first time you're throwing a ball. Is that how it went down? Yeah, we were, uh, I think it was during the playoffs, actually. We were standing out there in BP, and I was still pretty weak and pretty slow on my feet, so um, he just backed up a few feet and just tried to throw him a ball, and, and I couldn't even turn my head yet, so I don't think there was much behind it, but pretty cool to be out on the field that fast and, uh, yeah, just be around the game again. And then you get to Northwestern then in January, and you spend four years there. I mean, when you look back at you know playing baseball at Northwestern, what are your favorite memories of you know pitching in the Big Ten? I think just the teammates. You know, I, I was really fortunate to make some of the best friends I'll have there. Um, for whatever reason, I think just good all-around guys were attracted to that school. And uh, it, that's been my biggest takeaway is just the relationships from it. Did you? Did, uh, he was before you. He pitched for the Royals. Did, did you know who Chris Hayes was at all? Chris Disco Hayes? Well, I did. You know what? He would come around um, in the offseason and throw bullpens and stuff to our guys. He was pretty funky. I remember he would... He'd throw from the side a little bit yeah. and give our guys a different look. And he threw in the seventies. I love that. I love that nickname, Disco. <laughs> yeah, Disco, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing now? Do you know whatever happened to him? I don't know. I don't know. I, I never really got in touch with him. Um, I think he he was there a little bit 
uh, earlier than I was. Yeah. Um, so not a whole lot of conversation, but um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good little group of alumni we have there. We got a few guys pitching the big leagues right now, so we're real proud of it. Who's up there right now from the big, you know, from Northwestern in the big leagues? Oh, I, I can't, you know, forget anybody's name here. We've got George Contos with the Giants. He's mm-hmm. in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Jay Happ. I think he's with the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Schultz is out of the bullpen with the Blue Jays. Man. Um, we've had Eric Yokish. He got called up with the Cubs last year. Uh, and these guys are all pitchers, actually. So uh, pretty good pitching core there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, get that guy a raise. Pitching coach, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> Good grief, man! Yeah, he's he, hey, he's actually looking for a job right now. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, we'll put yeah. Him, yeah. So this is a public service announcement, right? Who who is the guy, by the way? Uh, Tim Stoddard. He had a a great career of his own. Stoddard was that, did he pitch for the Omaha Royals in the eighties? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. He he had a long career. He was Orioles, Yankees. Maybe not. Um. Yeah, only guy to win a NCAA basketball title. At NC State and won a World Series. Okay, I thought you were going to say Northwestern because I know Northwestern is what Northwestern and Nebraska are the only two basketball schools to never win an NCAA tournament game. You knew that, right? Basketball. I didn't know about Nebraska, but of course I knew about Northwestern. <laughs> it's kind of a blemish on it. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to fix it though. We got a new coach. Yeah, I like him, Chris. Coming in, Chris so can we'll recruit, man. Yeah, they, they, yeah, you uh, can. I think Nebraska's been seven times and they're zero for seven <laughs> in the first round. So one of the. <laughs> At least they've been there. Yeah. We're, we're trying to go in. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Now you we'll get it though. Were you, were you economics? Is that what you you know majored in there? Uh, I started in economics, and then um, just having to miss so much school, I got so far behind. Switched to uh, communication studies and business. Okay, okay, right on. And then the Royals draft you, and you know June what two years ago I guess June of 2013. So before we talk about draft moment, like when you think back to your pitching as a college junior and senior, was there you know was there a first moment where the Royals first saw you or talked to you? Do you remember them first talking to you or first approaching you at a particular moment? Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't necessarily remember a specific moment. Obviously, I remember my scout Scott Melvin. Um, and just all the dialogue we had throughout the whole process. Um, and, of course, uh, Art Stewart, the legend, being around. Um, so yeah, I don't remember necessarily a, a real specific moment. Okay. Now, were, was the Royals the team that you thought would take you on draft day? I mean, was there a few teams, or were they kind of who you were thinking? I think there were a few teams, um, but I knew that they had a good amount of interest. Um, but on that day, you're just – kind of waiting for anybody to call your name to be honest yeah well and it happened so you end up signing with royals before we talk about that uh you know getting into pro ball give us so you know refresh us and, and tell our listeners who haven't got to see you pitch yet so give us a scouting report what what do you throw you know where do you sit at top out at and all that good stuff um uh, i've got four pitches uh fastball curveball slider and change up fastballs usually 88 92 um curveball is mid to high 70s and then change up and slider uh, low eighties. What's enabled you to miss so many bats in your in your pro career? Is it, what's your kind of out pitch? You know, I think um, being able to do that has just been throwing a different pitch at different times. Yeah. So depending on the day, it's been a different pitch. It hasn't been really a go-to all season. Some days it'll be, you know, fastballs playing good. So trying to elevate the fastball and get swing and miss or. Um, you know, another day it's a slider or a curveball. Uh, yesterday, 
there wasn't a whole lot of swing in this. It was more pitching the contact, and, and for that, I went to the changeup a whole lot. So it's kind of been evolving, um, and it's been something I've worked on this season to get to a point where I can have a, a solid four-pitch mix and, and look to throw any pitch in any count. Do you feel like something's kind of clicked this year for you? I think so. You know, I, I think the further I get away from from surgeries, I, you know, it was freshman year in 2009, and then I actually had it again. Um, in 2011, my junior year, oh, uh, I didn't know that. came back. Yeah, so uh, you know, the further I get removed from that, I, I just hit three years healthy. Um, I think all that the radiation, the treatment is out of my body. I'm able to maintain my strength and my weight, and um, you know, with the work with all our pitching coaches and coordinators here to lock into my mechanics, um, it, it's helped get some consistency. So going back to 2013, Pioneer League, Idaho Falls, you got in 10 games there. Again, more than 1K per inning. You know, those couple months in the Pioneer League in Idaho Falls, what sticks out most about that when you think back? Uh, I think just the great Northwest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a totally different experience. Um, pitching in the mountains is pretty tough. I think anybody will tell you that. But uh, just a cool way to spend your first professional summer, you know, seeing – um, Montana and Idaho and Colorado and Utah, um, very, very different, especially for how I grew up. Yeah. How was the travel in that league? You know, it was a little rough with bus trips. It's a little tough. It's big teams and small buses. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of seat partners. Um, yeah, it's funny. And the lighting and probably the, not the best lights in those parks, but although it may help pitchers a little bit more than hitters, right? Yeah, that's probably the only part that helps pitchers up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the rough infielders or any of that stuff. Infields, you know. Uh, yeah. So last summer, then you know Lexington, outside of two appearances at Northwest Arkansas, that's one of the few affiliates I've yet to get to. So kind of talk more about what it was like pitching in Lexington. Um, you know, another good league, a lot of talent in the Saturday League. Um, pretty cool spot to spend your first professional full season. Um, and again, a lot of travel. I think we were probably like the furthest northwest, but we went all the way down to Augusta, Georgia, and Savannah, and the Carolinas. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a cool way to spend your first full professional season and kind of get to lay the land and understand what it takes to be a, not only a professional player, but hopefully a successful one. You mentioned uh, Savannah and obviously the Sand Nats. Did you get to actually experience any of those wonderful Nats down there when you pitched there, or was it not humid enough yet? Yeah, oh, it was plenty humid. I think we were there a few times, uh, August being one of them. So it's everything you hear about. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so, you know, this year, obviously, like we talked about, huge new development this year. Wilmington, to start with, you had a 303, uh, 41Ks, and 29 and two thirds. You know, the, the Wilmington experience, I always hear so many great things about pitching there at Frawley Stadium and everything. What was that like for you? Yeah, great part to pitch in, um, no question. But we had a really good team, good defense. Um, a lot of those guys have found their way up to here at Northwest. Um, there's been a lot of success there. Um, but, yeah, the Carolina League is similar to the Texas League in that it's only 18. So you're facing guys a lot. And I think that was a great place to, uh, although I was only there for a short time, but, um, like I said, learn how to use that four-pitch mix and, and try and get people out with more than just one or maybe two pitches. There's a few guys I wanted to ask you about that you've played with so far this summer. Now, one guy we keep hearing about is offense, uh, but I'm wondering, talk a little bit about Zane Evans. You know, what's it like, uh, you know, working with him, one of your catchers there in Northwest Arkansas? What's he like defensively, and what's it like? And, and you know, talk, kind of talk about him as a player too. Yeah, Zane's been great. One of my good friends. Um, so it's fun throwing to him. It's fun being a battery mate with him. Um, 
and I think he would tell you he's made a lot of strides this season as far as game calling. Um, we've gotten in a good sync. He, he catches me almost every game up here. Um, so it's fun to sit and prepare and plan against the lineup and uh, and go out and execute. And between innings, we're always talking, you know, what are we going to throw to this guy coming up next and everything. Uh, you know, at the same time, he's still able to focus on his hitting, and, and he's put up really good numbers. That's, I think that's, you know, you hear about the pitching in this minor league system, how much depth the Royals have. I think the catching is real underrated between guys like him and Chad Johnson and all up and down, some great guys in, in the minor league. So I wanted to make sure I threw him yeah. some love. Absolutely. Um, I mean, on this team alone, we've had Parker Morin, mm-hmm. uh, Zane, and Mikey Gibbs. And those all three guys are, are guys who are able to prepare for a game and prepare a, pit, uh, a pitching staff to go out and attack a lineup. And then at the same time, flip it around and, and have some good offensive success. Two pitchers on your uh, current staff. Talk about uh, Sean Manaya who threw tonight, and then uh, Cody Reed, who's obviously had one of the more uh, bigger I you know I head turning se- you know seasons of anybody in the system. Yeah, um, both of them are you know real good hard throwing lefties. Um, Cody's had a ton of success this season. Pitched really well when he was down in Wilmington, and uh, he's been here for three or four weeks, I think, um, and things are going well for him again. Um, I think everybody's just learning how to to adjust and uh, pitch to, like I said, you know, the better, more professional uh, hitters that seem to have an approach. Um, so, again, it's all just becoming about repeating mechanics and, and having a plan and executing it, and I know Sean will probably do the same. Now you have, uh, like, like we mentioned, two brothers in pro ball, including one who now scouts for the Cubs. So has he gotten a chance to? I guess, I guess they don't have a team in the Texas League, do they? But has he gotten a chance to see you pitch professionally yet? Yeah, you know what? His first season in their front office, he was able to come out and see me when I was pitching in Idaho. Um, and he was able to see me at Northwestern, just being in there in their front office um, and living you know, pretty close to our school there at Northwestern. Um, so he was able to see me a few times. He gets you know, different pro coverage that he has to go out and, and cover, but um, he mainly stays, you know, on the amateur side. Very cool. La- last four things for you. So, first of all, off the field, you know, what keeps Luke Farrell busy when he's not playing baseball? What do you do for fun and, and you know, hanging out and all that good stuff? Uh, I think on this team, if you're not a golfer, you're an outcast. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, trying to play golf on the off days and you get a little bit better at that, so probably the only thing that's more frustrating than baseball. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, do you have a favorite Boston Red Sox player? If you had to pick one, can you do that, or is it impossible? Favorite Bostoners? No, I don't think I have one. Um, I'd probably go uh, past and say Pedro Martinez. Okay, all right. And then you probably like that manager okay that they have there, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, how many of the 30 Major League Parks have you been to? Have you, have you seen a game at Kauffman Stadium before? You know what? I've never been to Coffin. Not even um, drive by or anything. No. Wow. No, I haven't even driven by it. So hopefully you get there for good reason. Yeah. Well, you're only what three hours and fifteen minutes away there in Springdale too. So hopefully, you know, one of these days pop up here in an off day or something, man. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully they'll be up here pitching soon. You know, and with that in mind, what would you like to say to Royals fans? You know, in in summary, all the Royals fans listening right now, what would you like to say to them? I'm uh, just happy to be selected as a Kansas City Royal and uh, enjoying my time here. Um, and hope to see everybody soon, I guess.
Yeah, for sure, man. Keep up the great work. You're having a great summer. And, you know, obviously, you know, fingers crossed that you're through all the rough spots and all the stuff you've been through because that's obviously way more than anybody should have to go through in a lifetime, let alone a span of, what, six, seven years. So, you know, God bless. Take care and stay in touch. Hopefully we'll catch up with you uh, for many years to come. Okay. Thanks, Dave.